The following preface is an important announcement pertaining to a proclivity that I have with this movie. Uh, I have to refer to it by its full title every time. Uh, if I ever refer to this movie that I'm about to do on I Remember This Cassette, The Grand Return of the podcast where I remember cassettes, uh, I have to refer to the movie that I'm doing this time, even though it's a mouthful, must be referred to in its full title. If I ever do anything otherwise in passing conversation, it means I'm, in, I'm probably in danger, and they know how... Like, whoever's holding me hostage probably knows lots of codes and things. So, if I'm ever in a conversation with you in, like, a restaurant or a parlor or any sort of place where I'm with a stranger that you don't know and I suddenly refer to this movie by its shorthand name, there's danger afoot and you should probably just, like, text somebody that can help. Just letting you know. Anyway, it's been a couple months, but I have returned to, I'm, I'm being your boy Kyle, the guy that has done this podcast for seven months and then my phone got too hot and melted, so it was no more podcasties only for me. And you can kind of tell in the later 20 episodes uh, when, like, stuff got skipped. That was just the processors melting on my old phone. But, uh, yeah. No more of that. We have returned gloriously and triumphantly to the realm of faded nostalgia. I'm reinvigorated. I'm reborn. And I remember cassettes. And I, I know there's a lot more movies than the three that I said were the only three that were left. So I've, I've got a lot of time. I've thought of a lot of episodes. So we're going to be back in the saddle again, and what else can I say, but we're back. A dinosaur story. Because that, my friends, is the name of the game, which I just lost, and you just lost too. Look, the premise of this show, because I've been away for a while, so more people have popped up in the past two months than the five that I've listened before, it's just me sitting in a van... (laughs) for a long time, and reminiscing about movies that I haven't seen in at least ten years. Um, there are exceptions to those rules. Most of them involve if it's Christmas, if I'm on drugs when I last saw it, or a third circumstance that I haven't said yet but will get revealed in a future episode, so keep your ears peeled, dear listeners. Uh, then... I, I, it's fair game. Like, it doesn't have to be kids' movies, but most of it is because it's been so uh, long enough time that most of the stuff that I watched, I watched as a kid. Um, but We're Back a Dinosaur Story is not one of them. I mean, it is a kids' movie, but um, it came out during the that those couple of years where dinosaurs were really cool. That strange time known as, like, the early to mid-90s when there was a sitcom about dinosaurs called Dinosaurs that had a much better production value and, like, actual cultural commentary far beyond what most sitcoms can do. But people just remember it for Not the Mama. But, like, dinosaurs were a surprisingly large deal, and it hit its apex when 
this movie about dinosaurs made its way into movie theaters in 1993. There was two of them, though. One of them was, I mean, Jurassic Park. That was a thing that happened, I guess. But the other one was the animated classic, We're Back a Dinosaur Story, which I feel like people knew Jurassic Park was coming, and they knew it was going to be a big dinosaur of a movie that was going to make dinosaurs cool for a while. Again, just extending out the popularity of Not the Mama and the rest of the family. That just, kaboom. Dinosaurs are sellable not just to kids that want a time machine, but the entire family can enjoy it. Like, there were teenage dinosaurs with mohawks. You didn't... That was so 90s. It was just outstanding. And then they all died due to climate change, which is just fantastic. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm not here to talk about Dinosaurs, the TV series. I'm here to talk about We're Back a Dinosaur Story, which is very strange. A very strange event. Stars John Goodman. It's got, um, Walter Goddamn Cronkite. It's got, I think, Christopher Plummer and some other people as the other dinosaurs, but their, their big money was getting Walter Cronkite to do a movie. But we'll get to that when he shows up, okay? Alright, it's Dinosaurs Take Over New York City. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty groovy. And it is the weirdest ass thing to do to a developing psyche in the 90s, right next to Goosebumps. It's got some weird stuff in it, okay? Alright. Things are gonna get weird when we talk about We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Which is fitting, because this podcast is back, A Dinosaur Story. Yippee. Alright, so. The connection I have with We're Back, A Dinosaur Story is kind of different from most of the movies that you'll see me talk about on this podcast. Well, hear me talking about this podcast. This is an audio medium, not not visual. Nobody needs to sit a, see a guy sit in a van and just talk about We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. But you can listen to it while you're in your car as well, commiserating or at work or something. Whatever you do when you listen to your podcast. It makes it a little bit more enticing. Um, but the old other movies that I've done were usually movies that I grew up on, had in the clamshell collection criterion stuff, and would watch when I needed to pass the time. But again, We're Back a Dinosaur Story is not like that. I watched that movie for the first time in college because I briefly had friends for about a year. Uh, that year was about 08 to 2010, which I guess makes it two years. But sometime in that time, early on, uh, we'd just go and go to a friend's house and watch movies and stuff. That's what we did. That's what inspires me as when I, when I talk about media or when I write stupid fan fiction about the Olsen twins going to hell to get Weird Al playing the devil, getting his ice cream machine back so he can torment people. And that's what I constitute as fan fiction and writing. Yes, I am very influenced by terrible, terrible 90s media. And I, I won't have it any other way. So the point is, I, I talk about 90s media a lot because that's what I grew up on. But I didn't watch this until 2008-ish. And so while everyone else was having like their nostalgia 
revisited, I was just sitting around just wondering what is this movie even? I don't know if everybody does that around every movie that they didn't see as a kid and then they're seeing with childhood friends who did see it as a kid and then like they're just looking at it through the eyes of a somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 years old person. I, I don't know if it's just the, what's it called, cynicism and jaded dumbery that comes from being a person of that age, or if We're Back a Dinosaur Story is just exceptionally weird. And as years went by, I, I talked with people about old movies, like that's just, that's a conversation point that I have when I'm hanging out with strangers at, in restaurants and nightclubs and hotel venues, and we just talk about it, so... And it seems to be, when the subject is brought up of We're Back a Dinosaur Story, it is general consensus that the movie is weirder than most animated 90s fare. That's, that's saying something. Like, Don Bluth did some crazy-ass shit. Not, not in, like, wild animation, but just, like, what-the-heck plot of Rockadoodle. What-the-heck plot of Troll in Central Park. Like, Don Bluth's 90s stuff was terrible, but weird. We're Back a Dinosaur Story is just weird. But, uh, hmm. And surprise, surprise, dear audience, this has a lot of similarities to Don Bluth because I believe this studio, I don't remember who it is, but I believe it's an offshoot of Don Bluth's stuff from the 80s because, like, he declared war on birds forevermore and just stopped trying to make quality media and instead just used the money that rolled in from his 80s stuff to create a giant ballista to destroy all the birds that he despises. And half of his staff realized he's going Disney levels of crazy, and they fudged off and made their own studio with Blackjack and Hookers. And one of them, I guess, was obsessed with dinosaurs, because, um, I believe... Gary Goldman, who did work on Thumbelina, well, who goes on to do work for Thumbelina, so I, I think he's just the producer. I just remember saying that name from when I rewatched Thumbelina, and I just remember Gary Goldman, who also plays Gorg in The Fifth Element, but he's involved with this, he's got dinosaur stench all over him, and uh, that just also explains the weirdness, because, uh, friendly reminder, uh, they all worked together uh, to make Land Before Time back in 88, so that, that, dear audience, I think that was the real starting point of Dinosaur Fever of 1988 through, I guess, 1994, though I guess the, the other Jurassic Park movies kind of constitute that, but, like, I don't know. I was never a dinosaur kid. I, um, my brother got Jurassic Park on VHS for Halloween in 94 uh, because he won a costume contest wearing a um, store-bought Sonic the Hedgehog costume, whereas I was wearing a handmade one-by-my-mom Sonic the Hedgehog costume, and I got second place to my own brother. He got Jurassic Park. I got Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So, yeah, he, he, he had a thing for dinosaurs, and I've got a thing for short, hairy men now. So that is the story of my life and the story of my revulsion at dinosaurs, which is why I never really watched Weirbeck a Dinosaur Story until 2008. 
And yeah, no, there's just a lot of weirdness going on in that, and I just hitting all the cycular stuff. Um, yeah, and really, what else is there to do than go into the movie? Uh, just a friendly reminder, I just go chronologically from point A, the start of the movie, to point B, the end of the movie. And sometimes I'll see myself to other tangents. They're, they're, they're going to happen inevitably. But, uh, yeah, it's stuff that I haven't seen in at least ten years. And We're Back at Dinosaur Story comes in at 11. So, let's roll back the rock and talk to freaking dinosaurs that play golf. This is going to be a wild ride. I can't make it up. The movie starts with just this flying saucer full of aliens just coming to planet Earth and the first thing they see is a friggin' T-Rex wearing a Hawaiian shirt and glasses and a hat and playing golf, you know, because dinosaurs with those tiny dinosaur arms sure know how to golf and stuff, but, I mean, that's just a precursor of the madness that we're about to descend into. I guess it's just, uh, this is just the, the sign hanging on the door, the, uh, the threshold of in madness. Abandon all sanity, ye who enter here, because, yeah, it's uh, a, a dinosaur playing golf and singing a song, because I guess this is a musical, though I don't recall there being too many songs in here, but it still starts with, like, a catchy tune, because you gotta have a catchy tune. That's just what you had to do in animation. Thank you, Disney. Thank you, everybody. But you, you get the song in there that people are just going to forget about it once you get into the weird, pl the strange plot elements that are, are here to come. But, uh, yeah. So, the dinosaur guy just likes playing golf, and uh, he's voiced by John Goodman, by the way. John Goodman uh, goes on to, I guess, go through all of history, because within a year, he goes from being a dinosaur to being a caveman, and then... From there on out, he just skipped another million years, and he's just everyman guy. Oh, and he's also Disney, the company. He's the replacement Phil Harris. So, if there was a character that they would have had Phil Harris voice in the 70s, uh, they either had John Goodman replace him, or, like, just found out, oh, hey, we can just use this John Goodman guy. Like, it's basically every character ever from the 70s was voiced by the same dude. Like, the, the bear in friggin' Why am I gonna say Little Mermaid? The bear in Little Mermaid? No. The bear in Robin Hood and the bear in Jungle Book are the same guy. That's friggin' Phil Harris and he got turned into John Goodman 20 years later. Um, at this point, he was just the, the husband on Roseanne. I think that was the star power they were trying to pull there. Which, again, is kind of off, but I think they just knew they had a, a leading man in the making, so just hire professional bear John Goodman to voice this lovable dinosaur. It makes sense. He's playing golf, and the aliens ask what the hell is going on. He says, oh, yeah, um, I got brought back to life, and I'm sentient, and I like to sing and dance and play golf. Do you want to hear the story of how that happened? And then the aliens go, sure, why not? I've already landed on this new planet, I guess this is the inhabitants, and he explains, no, no, uh, it's just me. I'm the only dinosaur outside of my friends who don't show up in this opening sequence. But, come with me and I'll, I'll tell you the story of how I got to be this way. 
I don't know why I'm half Patrick Warburton and half John Goodman, but that's just the way it's gonna go, little bit britches. <laughs> he doesn't say that. <laughs> I just I'm like it's dawning on me right now just how much every Phil Harris character from Disney in the '70s is just John Goodman, and it's just nagging my mind. So, I don't know if we'll be talking about We're Back a Dinosaur Story. No, I'm just, I'm still just being shocked by the John Goodman type. And it's just a thing that happens. Um, so there's a song, and I'm pretty sure it actually does go into a book. But it, it's done ironically, like, making fun of how all these movies start with books opening, and it's not that kind of story, but they still do it anyway. I think it works like a photo album, though, because he's got pictures of all of his friends and he's showing the aliens this. Um, yeah, so uh, the story goes into New York City, where it is always once upon a time. Uh, the year is clearly 1992, and uh, the dinosaur is gone, but we have a regular kid. Uh, you can tell he's a regular kid from 1992 because he has a, a red cap and his name is Max. And he um, has busy parents, so he just hangs around in New York City and just chills during the summer, I guess. So he doesn't have many friends, because I think he just moved to town. I don't know. Um, but he's voiced by Max from Goof Troop, which is confusing because, again, this guy is named Max, but it's Max from Goof Troop, who's... Um, I'm trying to think what other shows they'd be from. I mean, more recently, it was, I believe it was Spinelli on Recess. I can't remember the guy, the, the person's name. I believe it's a woman uh, who voices them. But it's, it's that voice. It's 90s kid. It's basically Max, but he's a, a human instead of a whatever the hell Goofy's supposed to be. And he's just hanging around. Um, I think he goes to, like, the Museum of... No, they go to the museum later, because they're trying to get back over there. <sighs> and he meets a new friend, who's a little girl, whose voice literally just is Lisa Simpson, because Yardley Smith is a fantastic voice actress, but she only has to do one thing, and that's Lisa Simpson. Which, Simpsons was in peak performance in 1993, but they weren't getting, like, big paychecks, the, the, the million-dollar-a-year sort of thing that the Simpsons cast gets now. So they still had to do other voice acting in other bits. Like, that's why Homer Simpson's The Genie in Return to Jafar and the Aladdin TV series. And then, like, Nancy Cartwright will show up in places. I don't know, just... The Simpsons just show up randomly in voice acting form in the 90s. It's just... It's always really jarring. Like, oh, hey, wait a minute. I know that voice. I don't know. But they meet up, and then they uh, get abducted by... A cool guy. It's okay. It's a cool old man with a... With, I think it's a spaceship or something. And he's got some dinosaurs with him. And he says, Yeah, no, I, I, I can't test these supplies on regular animals. So I've, I've got these pills that make you really smart and intelligent. But if I give them to these dinosaurs, maybe they'll come to life. Or he had a time machine. I don't... I actually don't remember how Walter Cronkite got the frickin' dinosaurs to come back to life, but I don't think that's the point of the story. They don't need to specify that. 
even though it's the whole thing's about we're back a dinosaur story how do the dinosaurs get we're back a dinosaur story they don't explain that stuff but the point is they're sentient and can talk and be loving because they got crazy uh, anti-crazy pills from a professor walter cronkite who is normally a newscaster like the the anchorman of anchorman who was like one of the most trusted and guideful voices in journalism and he, he does a good job as a, a wise old man who just wants to impose knowledge on both people and dinosaurs alike, I guess. Um, yeah, he's there. Oh, and he also has a twin brother who's evil and his eyes are made out of, like, screws. It's just going to get weirder from here, dear audience. So let's keep on delving. So for reasons that basically boil down to if we got this solved immediately, we would not have a plot, and if we did not have a plot, we would not have We're Back a Dinosaur story, and then the producers would only have one dinosaur movie to their credit, which would be The Land Before Time, and somebody there had to do a dinosaur golfing, but they couldn't do that the entire time, but that was just, like, the deal on there. So they just had to have some kind of plot. So, Walter Cronkite, like, drops the kids off in some part of New York where they can have the dinosaurs just kind of hanging out without getting spotted. Buttons, if I know what it was, it wasn't important enough. Um, I think it was just that Christopher Plummer, who plays an evil old man just like he has from, I don't know, 1980 to, I don't know, now, which, dear audience, if you know your math, it's about 40 years. That's how good he is at the part and how astonishingly old he is, but he's good at it, and Christopher Lee did the same thing, and I wish he was here. Oh, I wish Christopher Lee was still here. I say that about every movie. I really cannot think of a movie that could not be made superior by the presence of Christopher Lee. Like, Last Unicorn does it. That's the only good thing about that. Um, just, I think he may have even been Evil Jack in Rudolph and Goddamn Frosty. I'd have believed it, but I also don't think he would have fallen for that stuff. But Christopher Lee's amazing, but the next best thing is Christopher Plummer. Just be some badass old guy named Christopher, and you save the world. I mean, by the world, I mean you save the movie. You're generally the bad guy. It's just what you're going to do, all right? But he, he shows up. Christopher Plummer shows up, and he's basically just Walter Cronkite, only instead of having, like, Cool Eyes. He has Screw Eyes, which, by the way, those are those are the literal names. It's Professor Cool Eyes and Mr. Screw Eyes. Um, because he has, like, industrial stuff, and he has an evil top hat and bigger, nastier eyebrows, and if you have bad eye, evil eyebrows, you are clearly the villain. Like, eyebrows, much like being voiced by an old guy named Christopher, <laughs> indicates being a villain around this time. So, um... I think the UFO or the time machine, whatever, um, he has to take a special route to get back. So Walter Cronkite, Cool Eyes, drops off the, the two kids and the four dinosaurs someplace and says, uh, yeah, uh, enjoy this world. Now that you have been given brain power, you can appreciate this world. So go enlighten yourselves. Check out this cultural centerpiece of, I guess, the world, I guess, New York, because I guess he loves New York. Uh, and come and meet me at the Museum of Natural History, and if we go over there, um, yeah, 
Like, I, you can come to the museum, and instead of having dead dinosaurs and skeletons and shit, we can have real-life dinosaurs, and I can enlighten the world, because that's my goal as, I guess, a scientist, or I know an eccentric. So that's, that's what he does, all right? Um, but Screw Eyes knows that dinosaurs have been brought in there, and he wants to use them for entertainment purposes because he is basically kind of a P.T. Barnum type, and he runs the circus and just does mindless drivel. And when I say mindless, I mean mindless, because that's going to get important later in the movie, dear audience. And there's a reason why this movie is just the precursor to Totally Spies, where every five goddamn seconds, there is some weird fetish or kink. Um, if you watch the early episodes of I Remember This Cassette, I talk about the writers of the furry apocalypse. Um, they were, if I recall, Lady Cat from Cats Don't Dance, Lola Bunny from Space Jam, someone from episode 20-something-ish, um, I guess the nice hair dogs from Oliver and Company. I'm just going to go with that. The fourth writer of the 90s furry apocalypse is just the entirety of the movie We're Back a Dinosaur Story. Just because something happens every five freaking seconds or moments, or moments minutes, or moments. Sorry, there was a, a hiccup there. Um, it, it, it's all inadvertent. It's not like it's explicitly sexual because this is a movie for kids, but it's the thing that much like the Riders of the Apocalypse, they are the Heralds. Like, the real shit comes afterwards. That's where you get your trumpets and your angels coming down from heaven to kick the shit out of demons and demons kicking the shit out of humans and all of that stuff. Like, that, that's not what the horses are there for. The horses are coming, so you'd better run because things are about to go down. Just like when you see any of those four things, well, those four entities, and say, oh, wow, that gives me feelings. Yeah, run. It's happening. <laughs> it, 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 if you watch this movie and you say, like, wow, this movie, this scene makes me think about stuff 10, 15 years later, in the immortal words of Jeff Star Foxworthy, you just might be a furry, okay? It, 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 it's okay. It happens. Now, I've gotten that off my chest. Um... They walk around New York City, there's a parade, and, um, because there's always a parade in New York City, just like it's always Once Upon a Time in New York City, and just like every movie that takes place in New Orleans, uh, has to be during Mardi Gras, there has to be some sort of parade in New York City, no matter what the cost, and the dinosaurs are walking down the street just the other day, and they're waving hi to the kids because they're friendly and the children love them, the adults think, wow, those are some really accurate balloon floats. Wow, okay, I finally did the John Goodman voice, and it wasn't John Goodman, but... Alrighty, um... Yeah, they see that, they think it's good, um... And Screw Eyes, Christopher Plummer, through all of his, like, one-eyed ravens... No, they're, they're multiple-eyed ravens, but much like Game of Thrones stuff, though, um... No, oh my god, George R.R. R. Martin did say he started writing the Game of Thrones novels in the year of our alleged Lord, 1993, and there are a lot of mentionings of ravens and crows and symbolism in there. So now you just know that George R.R. R. Martin is sitting in the audience of We're Back, a Dinosaur Story, and saying, oh, that's a good idea. Let's, let's put that in my books. Like, let's incorporate crows, just like, that's what the, that, that's what Screw Eyes uses as his eyes and ears. He says, oh, wow, they're, 
the guy with the time machine actually got some dinosaurs. I can use this and have the greatest show on Earth. And every kid ever will be dependent on me. And I'll show Evil Jack from 15, 20 episodes ago who can really make the world dependent on him through entertainment. This is going to be good. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And he just gets the biggest damn burlap sack ever. And he gets a dinosaur size and then realizes that's going to be too tough to carry back to um, his lair. So he just grabs the kids instead. That's all right. I guess I should take this opportunity to clarify that there are dinosaurs other than John Goodman in this crazy mixed-up universe called We're Back, a dinosaur story. And I'll rattle them off now, but just to be clear, um, I'm not a dinosaur expert, as I said in my preface, so um, I'm going to list them by the species that they are from the land before time which is a dinosaur franchise I understand slightly better. And, surprise, surprise, the only dinosaur franchise I actually know. Again, I should also clarify from my story earlier, uh, when my brother and I got our respective VHSs on getting Jurassic Park and Snow White and the Seven Doors respectively, um, my brother rubbed it in my face, as seven-year-olds are wont to do, because he won the Jurassic Park VHS, and because he's the older brother and I'm too young for this and I can stick to my Snow White Disney stuff, I was never allowed to watch the Jurassic Park VHS. He'd go so far as to turn it off if I walked in the room, and I just kind of, for once in my goddamn existence, knew my place. So I've never seen a Jurassic Park movie, so I don't know the characters in Jurassic Park. So I have to clarify all of these people from a Land Before Time perspective. Now, we have John Goodman, who is a T-Rex. The T-Rex was the villain in Land Before Time, Sharptooth. Um, they also, Deadass did not have a Littlefoot uh, protagonist, Br Brontosaurus, I believe it is, uh, because that would be confusing to your audience, and they knew they were riding the coattails of the Land Before Time really hard. How hard, you ask? So hard? that they knew that there were going to be sequels coming out for the next decade, and they wanted to make sure the there was only one famous Brontosaurus, and its name was Littlefoot. But hey, they can make a good T-Rex for once. I've also, yeah, uh, so the other ones were, there was a Sarah, which is, I guess, a Triceratops, and there was a Pterodactyl, which was Petrie, and there was whatever species the girl that got killed when she was 10 years old was, Ducky. I honestly don't know that species, but they all, they're all the same ones. The, the same, three of them are exactly the same. There is no spike because that's confusing, but I think there was a baby dinosaur cute companion that wasn't giant. That was the spike of the group. It didn't say anything. Uh, but yeah, no, they just, there are literally only five types of dinosaurs in the world. Um, six if you count whatever spike was. But you don't, but... In all of media, there are only allowed to be six types of dinosaurs. That is science. That is proven. You can't confuse kids otherwise. And as somebody that never paid attention to dinosaurs beyond the realm of the land before time, and to an extent, we're back a dinosaur story, there are only type, six types of dinosaurs in the world. And that's what I'm sticking to. Um, they just speak their usual bullshit parlance among each other trying to figure out how to get the kids back now that we're getting back to the plot and they're saying well I guess we have to go 
over to the circus because Screw Eyes probably wanted to get us. Because, again, we have very high intelligence. We were able to figure this out. I knew that he wasn't trying to kidnap kids. He lives in a circus. He can do that easily by people that have flunked out of school. He's here for us, and I guess we have to go to him before we go to the museum and hang out there with other kids forever. All right. Um, so there's some exposition that they're not the major characters. All right. The only one that was really there was John Goodman. The other purpose was dinosaurs going around being significantly larger than everyone else in there, accidentally bumping into buildings and doing other macro-related stuff. That's all it's about. That's the entire purpose of We're Back a Dinosaur Story, other than the fact that the guy that animated the shark tooth in Land Before Time agreed that he'll do it and he'll sign over the ability to do sequels only if he's allowed to do a friendly Tyrannosaurus Rex that wears sunglasses and golfs for at least two scenes. And by golly, he got his fucking wish by doing that. And we're all the more messed up for it. So, uh, after much deliberation, they veer off from the parade route and make their way over to the creepy circus that, uh, there's a bunch of crows flying around because, again, crows are evil. And in case you couldn't tell by this old guy with the black top hat, bushy eyebrows, and screws for eyes, I need repeat, uh... Yeah, they're, they're, they're at the villainous place here. So there's, um... Of course, while before they get there, Screw Eyes reveals his evil plan to say, Okay, well, my... Well, my goody-goody brother, who's in the name of science and actually has a doctorate and a professorship at some un nondescript university, is making... made this magic pill that makes everyone smart. I have not only created the most successful circus in town, I've also created a pill that makes people stupid. And if you're stupid, you'll watch my circus or some stuff. It also de-evolves you or, or something. And um, I'm going to use it on dinosaurs and make them hang out in my circus and be vicious, and then I'll train lion tamers to not just train li tame lions, but tame dinosaurs. Why I don't keep them intelligent for that purpose is beyond me. I'm just clearly not as smart as my brother, and that's pretty evident. But, uh, alright. I'm gonna TF you into monkeys now, okay? Okay. Um, watch TV. This is absolutely not a metaphor. So he turns this TV on, and Lisa Simpson and Max, who are still in this movie, by the way, but they've really done nothing important because they are that nondescript. They are just set pieces to meet the goddamn dinosaurs and just hang around and do stuff. Um, they watch TV, their eyes turn into spirals, and they start turning into monkeys because they're actually devolving and their brains are shrinking, and they're proving Darwin correct by saying we're descended from apes by, in fact, making people little kids even, turn back into monkeys, which the director of the Robin Williams film Jumanji is sitting in the audience of We're Back a Dinosaur Story, which a lot of people are apparently doing for this movie and saying, yep, we got to turn someone into a monkey. I know Chris Van Ellsberg didn't do that in the book Jumanji, but 
Turning children into monkeys is big. There is going to be a big wave of monkeys in movies for at least another decade. So there's a lot of connection between kids and monkeys. So let's turn them into that. And once again, much like the much like several facets of Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, we can attribute Jumanji and I guess Dunstan checks in to the existence of We're Back a Dinosaur Story. And unfortunately, uh, they, they become animals in the circus and the dinosaurs barge in and are like, listen, get, give them up and you can take us instead. And, and uh, Scrooge says, that's exactly what I wanted. And so they're leaning towards the side of evil and some terrible, terrible things are about to happen and subsequently get resolved because that's just generally how a movie goes. When it's for kids, anyway. I think this movie's for kids. Yeah, no, it's for kids. In case you didn't notice, if you, you, your eyes weren't as good as Mr. Screw for Eyes didn't go to medical school to create a time machine, uh, didn't notice, uh, they didn't use the stupid pills to TF the kids into monkeys. They just made him watch TV, because I guess that's good enough. He's just a master of draining brains, because that's just a good thing to use your apparent neuroscience understanding to create. But hey, it's in the name of evil. So, eagle-eyed viewers, which, I guess, maybe there's a third brother, eagle-eyed. I don't know. We'll notice he didn't use that. So, um, but he does use the pills... Uh, on the dinosaurs, much to the horror of the kids, because I think he just snaps his fingers or something, and Abra Caboodle, they just turn back into kids instead of monkeys. So, uh, but uh, the pills are perma TF or something. They they will make you turn from a friendly, softly animated dinosaur to a realistic. Sharp tooth from Land Before Time looking dinosaur, which is exactly what he does, and he immediately, bearing in mind, this is all during a circus show, because originally he just had the monkeys performing and doing tricks, and then the dinosaurs just walk under the under the big top peewee pavilion and just say, Yeah, we're 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 here. A pre-dinosaur story. And he says, Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages and species, because maybe I've changed you by making you watch my circus too because it's kind of the pre-television type of drivel that I've been doing as a metaphor all this time. Behold! Scary dinosaurs! And uh, you just get high-octane nightmare fuel because, you know, when you're really trying to make a classic kids movie that people will enjoy for generations to come in the similar vein to Mary Poppins or... Wizard of Oz or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you have to have some hardcore nightmare fuel in there. You're just not going to last beyond five years without it. And a lot of movies did that, even in the 80s and 90s, but I really think that was in a vein of those classic, classic based-off children's books and became something far more iconic in the American lexicon, something that We're Back a Dinosaur Story could not accomplish. What you needed to do is have pure nightmare fuel in that, so animating the dinosaurs as their original species, and then wreaking the kind of havoc that their 
um, expected to do as the species is their take on the nightmare fuel. And I think the transformation of it is also there. So bearing in mind, what they did is they, they took pills that make you stupid and went feral, to use a term coined in Zootopia, because that's just the only way to describe it. So while children take it and turn back into monkeys... This is unraveling in my mind as I speak to your audience. The dinosaurs just go to evil dinosaur mode. But now I'm just kind of wondering why Screw Eyes didn't just give the de-evolution pills or TV-watching skills uh, to a chicken or an alligator, which would, by the logic of the TF sequence we had three scenes ago or two scenes ago, uh, it would turn a chicken back into a dinosaur or something and accomplishes goal. But again, all in the name of evil is why he's doing this. So they, um, do all that. They, they have the big gnashing teeth and big claws that are reaching at the audience who the audience of the circus goes from entertained by monkeys to scared and wanting to leave by these dinosaurs, and they just go Ghostbusters out of there, which I don't think was part of Screw Eye's plan. I don't know if his plan was to, like, have the greatest show on Earth or just to have real-life dinosaurs around to take over the world, which is a much more sensible, conventional villain plan, and he's mostly a villain classic. But, I mean, most the audience has left, and now there are four, maybe five, rampaging dinosaurs. I think he's got them in shackles and stuff, and that's the ultimate crime, of course, uh, is to enslave them and everything. And the kids are having none of that. So, like, they're happy to have their dinosaur friends around, even if they're not in the way that they like them. So they used to, uh, let them go. And he's like, I, I can't. I can't put that backwards. But at least I did that. I guess I'll take over the world with them or something. And... The kids go, we're doomed. Uh, a two small children's story. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they leave. They, they say they're going to leave, and then night starts falling. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, one of the dinosaurs, I believe it's probably the tallest one, which would be John Goodman, rips a, a hole in the ceiling. Um, and no, no. Uh, the kids... No, that's what happens. The kids say, I know you're still in there, John Goodman. I mean, I still love you. And the first thing they do is they go up to the dinosaur, feral in chains, but because he's got such short arms to your audience, he uh, can't claw them or to step on them to death or anything. So they give him a hug, and they use their hug transformation powers to make them, I guess, smart, because nothing grants you... I don't know how many million years of evolution in multiple seconds more than a hug from a small, generic 90s child. And that cures them. They become lighter and, well, not, they become lighter colored and squishier and lovelier and just more friendly. They become friendly dinosaurs, but not full on awful Barney levels. And they say, come on. Let's go to the museum. This is a sad man with no audience anymore. And then Screw Eyes, I'm not making this up, just says, No! Don't leave me alone! Not with 
the crows. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> all the crows that have been following around this entire time just flock around him <laughs> and land on him, flutter their wings and fly away, leaving nothing but the two screw eyes. And it, he's gone. Never to be seen or heard from, nor darken a doorway again, because he didn't have an audience. So the crows came and, I guess, ate him. Great. So uh, now that that's all solved and there's no evidence left to implicate them for the sudden disappearance of local circus proprietor, Mr. Screw-Eyes, they just make their way over to the museum and Walter Cronkite's there sitting in his nice curator's chair and saying, oh, how, how nice of you to join me. Did you learn some things while on your adventure through New York City? And they're like, yep, it was really fun. Absolutely no one died. And Walter Cronkite smiles and gives his cool eyes to them and says, I'm so glad. So would you like to stay in this museum forever and educate children and be successful? And three of them say, yeah, we'll do just that. I think that sounds great. And the John Goodman, the T-Rex, says, I don't know about that. I think I'd rather uh, go golfing for the rest of my life. And then uh, he says, I can do all that. As for you... You can stay in this museum, and my work here is done. And he gets back in his flying saucer and <laughs> fly, climbs aboard his starships and headed toward the skies, and then he's saying, come sail away. And he is also never heard from again, but the museum is left to the other dinosaurs, and the kids are, of course, able to visit whenever they want. And I guess... Cool Eyes explores the universe and sends aliens around to check on his dinosaur friends, the three that are in the museum, of course. And the selfish T-Rex that does the most selfish pastime in all of history plays golf. The end. I know there's a lot of stuff that's unresolved and ultimately leaving you confused, and in several cases, the seeds for arousal, but the end. A dinosaur story. Final thoughts on We're Back, A Dinosaur's Story. I've only seen this movie once, 11 years ago, but it was so weird that I could remember it just as well as those most of the movies that I've done on this podcast previously. I've seen several times, so I have a good imprintation of it, so this was kind of a different experience for me, both in terms of recapping the movie and, frankly, seeing the movie. Um, I knew I had to do it for my glorious and triumphant return to this podcast after a couple of months. Um, but yeah, it's a different sort of beast than most of the other animation fair at the time. I mean, it's got a lot of the same vibes. Like, there are a lot of similarities, like, easily to Land Before Time. It's just, it's the same species of dinosaurs that you saw in Land Before Time with probably a lot of the animation staff just doing them more loosely and cartoony, except for that one creepy, that those creepy scenes in the circus. Um, but the more I think about it, like, there are a lot of, I'm pretty sure this is a coincidence, uh, parallels to 
Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, which I find needlessly amusing because this episode is the closest one we're probably going to get to the 4th of July, though I am probably going to refrain from my weekly schedule and just try and pump stuff out as much as I can to make up for the lost time, but we'll see how I feel about it. Um, but, like, the whole... My objective is to get kids stupid and dependent on me, uh, and also there's a circus in town that I'm utilizing. Uh, okay, that's about the... Ex well, and also getting, like, legendary creatures. Though the creatures in this one are freaking dinosaurs, which I suppose in a post-Land Before Time right we know Jurassic Park is coming out sort of world is a sensible option to be the equivalent of Rudolph and Goddamn Frosty, which I guess were the cool things to see in the 70s. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't there, according to my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, uh, yeah. So they, they got Walter Cronkite to be a principal voice. Well, not quite a principal voice actor, but like a main, hey, guess who we got sort of actor. And he never did any other movies, but I guess since it's the whole uh, intelligence is good, learning is really good, uh, I guess you'll have me, though I and I've also retired from pretty much everything else that I do. But it's just jarring to see him there. It's like seeing Captain Kangaroo and the Stupids. Uh, just, of all the movies that we got you into, how did we get you into this one? It, but they did it. And it's strange for it that he's this unexplained character that just hops into a UFO and flies away at the end with the whole, my work here is done. And yeah, I mean, I think the whole weirdness, like kink fuel aspect. I don't know if that's just the kind of people I hung around. Wow. I need to save that sound. Also, I'm recording this at a later point than everything else, so I had my phone straight up on. Uh, but yeah, new phone. That's why everything's working, by the way. That's why I'm finally recording again. Uh, phone's running. Uh, but, yeah, that's everything I really have to say about it. It's a strange but enjoyable movie. It's not full-on Spy Kids Cursed, but it's what the heck is going on with this animation staff what the heck is going on with this writing crew. Maybe it's just different. I don't know, because it's just it's a un different experience from everything else, and I felt it even as somebody that was several years removed from the prime age for these kind of movies, but it just comes with a different staff, comes with a different sort of vibe to it, and it's just interesting. So, uh, I don't hate it. And it's... something... It's, it's something else. It's We're Back a Dinosaur Story, and I don't know what else to say about it. Um, I should be returning regularly. I think I'll stay on the John Goodman trajectory for at least another episode. And we'll uh, be returning. We'll be back. A dinosaur's... No, no. I don't have to say a dinosaur story unless I say We're Back a Dinosaur Story. So, we'll be back is a, an ordinary phrase that I can say. And we will be back. So I remember this cassette it has returned. So if you want to just keep on getting updates and get me out there, um, if you like it, just give it, describe it, comment on it, subscribe on it, 
review it, tell your friends about it, all that jazz. Uh, that's another phrase for another movie at some point. So stick around and see when that one comes up or whatever. I'm the boy Kyle and I am saying toodles now. Bye.